Welcome back to the Successful Diligence Podcast. I am so grateful that you are back for another episode. Please do take note that all opinions and recommendations and encouragements that are shared on this podcast are my personal opinion or the opinion of the guests that I have on. It is not to be taken as medical or mental health advice. Please do consult your medical professional or your mental health professional with any questions or changes that you would like to make regarding your own personal situation. Welcome back to the Successful Diligence Podcast. I am so excited you are back for another episode. I never ever take it for granted that you lend your time and your ear to the show. And that is why I am so passionate about bringing you quality content and really incredible human beings to have interesting value-added conversations. And today is no different. Listeners, I am so excited to introduce you to Corbett Barr, who is the founder and CEO of Fizzle, which offers a video training library, coaching community for entrepreneurs and online creators. And Corbett has been self-employed on the internet since 2005. It seems like a lifetime ago. <laughs> and he's been earning a living from blogging and podcasting, online courses, memberships, SaaS, and more. And recently, very interestingly, Corbett hit the reset button on his digital self, deleting all of his social media posts and much of his other online content. And we're going to get into all of the things. And Corbett, I'm so excited to bring you on the show. Welcome. Hey, Michelle, thank you so much. And uh, by the way, I love the name of the podcast. I am a fan of diligence and persistence. And I love that you added successful to it because it's important not just to be diligent, but to be diligent in a way that might be helpful. Absolutely. The name actually, and you're actually the first person that's ever brought that up. Through our diligent efforts, we will find success in life, whatever success means to you. That's where the name of the, the show, the business, all the things came from. So thank you for that. Love it. And for my audience who's not familiar with your work, not familiar with who you are, tell us a little bit about you beyond the bio and how you came to do the work that you do. Yeah. As you said, I've been working online as an entrepreneur since 2005, I guess coming up on 16 years now. And that has really taken two major forms for me. The first form was what I call a traditional startup life. I was living in San Francisco and I connected with an old colleague and became a co-founder in his new venture. And so we shopped around a prototype, built some software, and eventually after a year of doing a roadshow to various venture capitalists, we raised VC dollars, we built an office, we uh, you know, gained customers and all that sort of thing. But after a few years of that, I found myself feeling somehow more trapped and more pressured than I had when I was a corporate employee before that. Because now with an office, with employees, a board of directors, advisors, investors, and customers, I had all of these things competing for my attention. And I was working under the assumption that you had to um, put your head down and work really hard, 60 hour a week, sleeping under your desk, putting everything on hold so that you could hopefully be really successful in your startup, 
sell it for a bunch of money, and then go off and do what you wanted to do with the rest of your life. That all came to a screeching halt towards the end of uh, 2008 during the financial collapse that happened that year. And that, um, for better or worse, at the time, it seemed like a disaster. But now looking back on it, it was a really important pivotal moment for me because instead of just jumping into the next thing, my wife and I decided to hit the reset button, which is, I guess, a theme uh, to the show, thinking about what we're going to talk about in a minute. But the reset button at that time was taking a sabbatical and really allowing myself to clear my head and consider what I wanted from my career and my life before jumping into the next thing. And we did that by taking a road trip through Mexico. That sounds very cool, the road trip to Mexico, not the preceding events that led up to it. <laughs> um, but it's really interesting. I think what you're describing is something that a lot of people are experiencing now where you leave corporate life to you know, create this better life, whatever better is, right? Or a life that you want. And then you end up recreating exactly what you left. And then you're like, this is not working for me. <laughs> what do I do with it? And then you had the 2008 debacle, right? We've had 2020 recently. And a lot of people were impacted by that. And it's, it's really interesting that life almost presents you with an opportunity to reset, to reflect, to think about what are we really doing here? What are we building and why, right? So I love that you were able to take that time and reflect and, and take that road trip and that your wife was supportive as well. Sometimes we don't always have that supportive person, right? Yeah, and luckily um, she has a flexible career. She's an artist and she was right about um, a year from grad school at that point. So it was perfect timing for her as well. And for the two of us to kind of think about what we wanted our next chapter to be. Very interesting, because, you know, it makes me think about identity and and thinking about when we define ourselves as a corporate employee and what that means or what that looks like, or when we define ourselves as an entrepreneur and what that looks like, or when we define ourselves as successful, what that looks like. And so I'm wondering when you were, you know, at the pinnacle, would you have said you were successful? When I was the pinnacle of that, that first startup, you mean? Yeah. So when you left corporate and you, and you created yeah. this. Yeah. It, it's interesting because there's this thing, I think about being an entrepreneur and, and um, it's the emotional roller coaster that you go on when, when you leave your job, because at first you're terrified, like, oh my God, what did I do? I have no safety net. Uh, and then you go through these periods of elation and uh, depression because one minute you think you're on top of the world because something goes right for you and the, the future is looking bright. And then the next minute something maybe goes wrong and you're back to being terrified or um, you know, worse thinking that it's not gonna work out. So there were probably moments when I felt successful, certainly after raising venture capital, you know, that's a thing that very few people do and a lot of people try to do. And that felt successful, you know, getting someone to believe in us and to write a check for millions of dollars. That was um, a, a moment that I look back on fondly as having accomplished something. But when you talk to startups um, and you talk to people who have been in entrepreneurship for a long time, you start to understand that the thing that we should be um, celebrating is success at serving customers and success at earning revenue for your business, not at taking investment because investment on its own, 
isn't really worth much. You have to use it to um, accelerate the growth of your business or to unlock something that you couldn't have before. So I think a lot of first-time founders, first-time entrepreneurs make that mistake of feeling really successful because of some sort of a vanity metric or a vanity milestone like raising money. Yeah. And I, I love that you brought that up because so often we define ourselves by those vanity metrics, right? I'm only good enough if this, or I'm only good enough if I have this or achieve this mile marker by outside standards, right? And so when we think about our identity as a person, as an entrepreneur, talk to me about that journey. So when you took that road trip and you were doing this first reset, how did you redefine yourself? Did you redefine yourself? And how, how did that journey look like? What did that look like? Yeah. And I had already uh, gone through two identities in a way, because prior to the startup, I had worked really hard at being a fortune 500 consultant. And this was the kind of job where I was working alongside recent MBA grads from top schools. And it was the kind of job that a lot of people really wanted to have. They, they sought it out as part of their career plan. And so I, I, I adopted that identity. And then when you go off to found a startup, you have to shed that identity, leave it behind. And now you don't have a fancy title or um, you know, that sort of stability anymore. And you have to find a new identity. And my next identity was being a Silicon Valley entrepreneur. And that's a thing that everyone knows about. So this third trip uh, after the reset button, I really didn't know what I wanted to do next. I, I figured that I had been bitten by the entrepreneurship bug. So that was a given that I would do something on my own again, but I didn't know if it would involve raising money or perhaps um, building something a little bit more autonomous, maybe without as many moving parts and, and people and investors and so on. But while we were on that trip, I said before that I was sort of starting to question what I wanted from my career and my life. And something kind of unexpected happened. Instead of just relaxing and recharging, this trip ended up sending me on a completely different path because we started meeting people who weren't wealthy, they weren't retired, but they had somehow figured out ways to spend months every year in a foreign country. And I started to wonder like, how do you do that? How do you, how do you make your career work around your life so that you get to live as though you're retired when you still have to go back and you know put food on the table and, and earn a living and so on. And it turns out that these people were doing it in all kinds of ways. This was really before remote work was uh, as possible as it is today. So a lot of these were more traditional people. These were nurses, these were contractors, um, these were occasionally software developers, but mostly people who just had decided that my life matters and I'm going to find a way, whether it's through self-employment or finding a flexible career or talking to my boss or being part-time or whatever it was so that they could live a life um, before they were retired or wealthy. And so that made me start to wonder if I could do the same thing, if I could work online, if I could build a business, but maybe I could do it from anywhere so that I could take it with me. And around that time, I started learning about other people that were on a similar journey. There were concepts like um, digital nomading that was just becoming a thing, location independence, remote work, and lifestyle design. These were all things that were just nascent at the time and starting to become topics of conversation. So I started a blog 
basically to chronicle our trip and to have these conversations out loud. And I plugged into that conversation that was happening with other people. And it turned out to be a really great source of growth for me personally, as well as in building an audience. You know, I love the the words that are coming up, growth, and what, what came up that you didn't say, but was sort of implied was value-based living, right? And creating a life that you actually want to get up for and live, right? And you actually are doing what you want to be doing every single day where you want to do it. And it is possible based on what you prioritize and how you do that. Because you don't have to be a multimillionaire. You don't have to be a full-time nomadic, you know, entrepreneur, income earner, even you can still work full-time and take three months vacation. It makes me think of, there's a story about a fisherman living in, I think it's Mexico and this business guy comes down and he says, Hey, what are you doing? You're getting fish. You could build this big corporation and make all this money. And the guy says, well, for what? And, you know, global distribution to all the, all the way at the end of the story end up to well, then you retire and go back and live in a village and spend time with your wife and fish, which is what he was doing. <laughs> yep. And so it's possible. You can create that kind of life. Talk to me, though, about the journey to finding those values, because not everybody is really in touch with what do I want? You know, you, you are so survival based focused and yeah. the values are there. But how do you get in touch with them to even begin to plan a vision like that? Yeah, and I, I think it really requires independent thinking. It requires getting in touch with yourself and who you really are. And sometimes that means stepping away from all the influences that we have on a day-to-day -day basis. If you're plugged into a society where every day you're around coworkers, you're around family, you're around friends who are all operating under the same assumptions and sets of conditions, it's really hard for you to have independent thought about who you are, what you want to do, what you want to be, because it's sort of like the, the crabs that start to feel the boiling water and end up pulling each other back in when they're trying to climb out, right? So I love the internet because now it gives us all the ability to have relationships and conversations with people online that are parts of various different kinds of identities and may not be immediately in our um, you know, community or, or family or friends. So that's one thing. For me at the time, it literally meant pulling myself away and taking a six month uh, sabbatical road trip so that I could clear my head and um, just sit in a hammock for several weeks at a time and, and, and think about what I wanted to do and, and read and, and get some different influences. When you're working 40, 50 plus hours a week, maybe you're raising kids, maybe you've got other responsibilities, you really don't have much time to think and to sit on any particular ideas. And so you may have a flash of an idea, but then the next day it goes away and it's washed, washed away by the day's chores. And so um, I think getting that time away from your influences is really important. For me personally, as I was giving up those identities, first the, the corporate consultant identity and then the startup Silicon Valley person identity, a lot of people in my lives I could tell either directly questioned or were poking at questions, kind of wondering if I was okay and if I knew what I was doing and if I um, was having some kind of crisis or something. And the truth is, I mean, yeah, I think 
in order to break through and do something really interesting and, and different, you have to have a bit of a crisis, a crisis of confidence or, or maybe just a feeling that this isn't exactly what I want my life to be. And it really does go by in a flash. You know, I know that um, a lot of those phrases seem trite, but now when I'm on interviews like this and we're talking about 2005 when I first started my internet business and, and beyond that, you really realize that I'm now at mid-career and I still feel like I haven't exactly found what I want to do, but I know that I want to continue seeking. And that you, I love that you brought up values-based living because to me, that's what it really comes down to. You don't want to get to the end of your life and look at your career and think, man, I really just, I, I had that career because I thought I was going to make a bunch of money so that I could do something, but I never had time to do that thing. It's okay. I mean, I, you know, I, I do see some people who are really happy in jobs that don't have to be the center of their lives. And I, I appreciate people like that. If, if you can um, deliver the mail or whatever, but you have a lot of free time and things that you like to do outside of work, that's great. For me, I love working so much that I feel like I want it to be towards something I feel is worthwhile. And, and so that at the end of each day, I can look back and say, I'm really glad that I spent my time doing that. Yeah, it's meaningful. And it, it's not something that is going, it's something that's going to leave a legacy for you. Um, whatever that means to people, because some people, a legacy is really broad and global. Other people, it's for their kids, you know, other people, it's their family. It's, it's the work that they leave behind the art pieces that are left on the earth for people to enjoy. It's a variety of different things. And I just, you know, I'm purpose for me is what we do with our experiences and paying attention to what sort of presents itself to us and what we choose to do with that equals our purpose versus understanding why something happened, right? So, you know, what we do with our life is, is an empowering choice that we're given that can be overwhelming, I think sometimes. And even a little tiny step of taking a vacation or doing what I do every, every, every year, I take a week off for my birthday. I still work a full-time job. I take a whole week off and it's just time for me to do what you did on your six month sabbatical. It's to have those conversations with myself, to meet new people, to get other thoughts and influences sort of just rolling around in my head to see, well, do I agree with that? That's interesting. Let's, let's expand my brain. Right. And I was talking with my, with my husband, I, I want to get your opinion on this. And there's a new phrase that I learned. I don't know if you've heard of it. It's called the atom, atomization of society, where people are so plugged into the internet that they're no longer having contact with actual live breathing human beings in the flesh <laughs> and how that is actually really harmful on a social, emotional, mental, psychological level and how that impacts our identity and what we choose to do with our life. What do you think about that? Well, I, um, as you mentioned in the top of the show, recently decided to pull the plug on most of my online social media type identities. And there's a lot in that decision, but a big part of it is the real, the realization that so many of the connections that we have through social media are really shallow and in a lot of cases, meaningless. And I've decided to spend my time instead in conversations like this. I realized that even though we're not face-to-face, -face, having an actual conversation, a voice conversation, there's just so much more that we can unlock and discover in these conversations than we can through tweets and everything else, Instagram posts. Filtered so, photos and 
filtered photos and 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 exactly and, and making ourselves look happy and successful when in reality um, we all have good days and bad days and so on but that by making ourselves look so happy and successful all the time on social media we're really just doing damage to other people and then we get it back it's a mirror it comes back to us because those other people do the same thing and we end up feeling bad about ourselves because we're not as happy and successful as others and so on so i just kept leaving social media feeling like um i was drained emotionally from the experience and that i wasn't gaining much from it even though I think conventional wisdom is that if you run a business online, you have to be on social media because that's where you're going to find your people. And I looked at that and I said, you know what? Um, I know from my business that most of my customers come from listening to our podcast. They come from um, emails that we send out. They come from referrals from other customers. And those are three sources that don't require me to be on social media. And uh, sure enough, after ending, quitting most of my social media, deleting every post I'd ever written on all the platforms. I really haven't seen a negative impact on my business. In fact, I've seen a positive impact because people are reaching out and saying, this is something I've really wanted to do for a long time. How did you go about it? What were the consequences? Um, you know, what are the, the benefits to it and so on. So it's really just created a lot of interesting conversations for me. And it has given me more time to think about my values, what I want to do, and more time to spend on things that actually give me energy as opposed to taking energy. Yeah, things that are meaningful to you and to your purpose and, and to what, what you want your life to look like. I'm fascinated though, because I hear, you know, this chatter more and more about deleting old posts and deleting, you know, your social media profiles. And I'm, you know, taking an absence, a leave of absence from Facebook and all the things. It feels really scary though. Was it, was it something that was scary? Like what, talk to me about like in the moment of, of making that decision and then actually doing it and hitting that delete button. What was that like? So I had thought about leaving Facebook, for example, for a number of years. And, and usually it came about during a certain time when Facebook as a company did something that I disagreed with and it was in the news or whatever. And I thought, you know, I, I, I don't even really use Facebook that much. I should delete my account. And then months would go by and I would forget about it. And I, I didn't do anything about it. And as I got closer to making this big decision, I started thinking about that. And I realized that I had this fear that I was going to miss out on something on Facebook, even though I wasn't very active on it. I felt like, well, I had put in, I had put in work there. I had people that I was connected to, people that were following me. Um, you know, I did get some traffic from Facebook to my websites and there was just this worry that I was going to miss out on something. And as I dug deeper into it, reading about it, watching the social dilemma on Netflix, which a lot of people are probably familiar with, I realized that that feeling I had, that fear of missing out is exactly what Facebook has engineered its platform to do to us. They make it so that you feel like you are almost cutting yourself out of your relationships or your connections. But as I said before, those connections are very shallow and in a lot of cases meaningless, and they don't actually represent the relationships that we have 100% because the ones that mattered continue on in other forms. They're people that I see in real life or people who know how to reach me via text or whatever. And then the rest of the people, they can find me in other places. They can still find my blog or they can get on my email list or whatever. 
So I think once I cut out that worry and started to realize that Facebook's manipulation and not just Facebook, all the platforms are engineered to manipulate us into worrying about what happens if we're not there. That manipulation is what caused me to stay there on and on and on, even though it was a net negative use of my time, which is crazy to think about. It's almost an abusive relationship in that way. And so um, there was fear in deleting everything and closing all the accounts. And um, it went away within a day because there were no negative consequences. It was a big buildup. And you know, I would encourage anyone who's thinking about this, a lot of the platforms allow you to close your account, but if you had a panic moment and you decided you were wrong, you can go back and open it. They don't actually delete everything for 30 or 60 days or something like that. And again, this isn't for your benefit, it's for theirs, I'm sure, because they know that a lot of people um, decide that they, they want to come back. And so all of their stuff is there and, and it gives them an opportunity to win you back. But there's a, there's a very low risk to you in trying that. You can even just try a, you know, a, a 15 or a 30 day break from Facebook and just turn it off and leave as if you're going to go forever. And then if you change your mind, you can come back. But I encourage you to really sit with the feeling of not being on there. And when you have that urge, I know a lot of people have that urge to check their newsfeed and they do it over and over throughout the day, almost like you're smoking cigarettes. You need to find some sort of substitute to do. And for me, that ended up being reaching out to a lot of people to be a guest on podcasts. Um, but you could do anything. I mean, you could start your own podcast. Uh, you could read a book. You could spend time with your family. There are a lot of different things you could do, but just find some substitute to fill that space so that you don't have the urge to go back there. And if it's just information that you seek, there are better places to get information than just Facebook. Oh, absolutely. Facebook does not give you what the, the true story is if you're looking for news or information. And it, you know, I find when I, when I take a, a Facebook fast or a, a break from social media, there's so much noise that disappears from my life. And there's, there's this peace and serenity that, that comes that is just, you know, I wonder why I go back. And, and it's something, something to think about. Listeners, I encourage you to really, you know, take a few moments to reflect and think about why am I on social media and is it serving me? Because we always talk about here on the podcast, we want to do more of what's serving us and delete those things that are not serving us so that we can live that life that we want to be living and that is going to bring us meaning and purpose so that we can get to the end of our road, our destination and say, yeah, I did good. I'm, I'm, I'm pleased with how that went. <laughs> um, let me ask you, as we think about success, right? Talk to me about how you've redefined that for yourself. I think the most important aspect of the definition of success for me is that it has to come from me and not from what other people judge as success. So for example, you know, in leaving social media, that is counter to a lot of people's definition of success because a lot of people live and die by the number of followers they have, the number of retweets they get or whatever. And um, I've decided that that's not how I'm going to measure success. And in fact, if I look at my values, you know, my values are having an impact, having relationships, I care about earning a living and, and earning a healthy living, um, but that wasn't helped by social media either. And so as I look at each of those things that matter to me in my life, health, relationships, um, you know, financial freedom, those sorts of things, social media just really didn't figure into it. And so 
I had to recognize my own definition of success and stop listening to what other people were saying. A lot of people will tell you things that they that you have to do or they think you should do. And that's not necessarily because it's in your interest. It may be in their interest for you to do that thing. And um, I think that's the most important thing is to listen to yourself. You know, before we were talking about getting some time to yourself and being able to reflect. And I love that you take a week off at your birthday. And I would love for anyone listening to be able to take some time off. I, I recognize that it's a privilege to be able to take a sabbatical or even to take a week of vacation off. I know that a lot of people don't even get that much time off and they have to use it for, for important things in their life. But if you could even just take a day or a weekend and, and maybe if you have a family, you know, you can talk to your family and, and say, you know what? Um, mom or dad is trying to make a, a big change in their life and this will benefit all of us as a family. And I need to go away for a couple of days and, and um, spend some time writing and journaling and so on and make it clear what you're doing. It's, you know, cause it can be scary for people when you're changing, right? In, and it can be scary for your family as well. Um, but certainly if you are single or, you know, um, footloose and fancy free, instead of taking a vacation and, and going to party for a week, you know, with your friends or whatever, take that time in solitude and um, rent a cabin somewhere in the woods and, and just read and reflect and think and so on. And I think you'll learn a lot about yourself and you'll finally, if you start to ask yourself, how do I measure success? You'll probably find that a lot of what society uses to measure success just won't measure up for you anymore. Yeah. And I feel like there's so much knowledge and wisdom inside of us that we don't tap into because we're so busy living and doing and we're not being all the time. And you're right. It is a privilege to have that time. Um, you know, but they have these little cabins now that you can take a weekend in the woods and they actually do not allow you to be plugged in. There's no Wi-Fi that you leave your cell phone in a box outside the cabin. Of course, if there's an emergency, they have uh, 911 there. But, um, you know, it's really something that is so important as human beings to be able to get in touch with that core value system inside of you that's in all of us. We just need to tap into it. I'm wondering if gratitude has any part of your life and if it's played into any part of your journey. It does when I remember it. It's one of those <laughs> things that um, hasn't become a habit for me. Uh, although for my wife and I, we have taken up the habit of meditating regularly. And so gratitude is something that comes up in that practice. Gratitude, I think, is really important because um, here, I'll, I'll put it in a different way. For me, one of the things that grounds me is whenever I feel like things aren't going right, I'm not doing enough, um, you know, I'm not as successful as I want to be, whatever. If instead of focusing on me, and what I want and what I'm struggling with, if instead I think about the people that I work to serve in my business, my customers, the people that I have conversations with, the people that I coach, and so on, if I put my attention on them, that always lifts me out of the funk and gives me something to work towards. And I think gratitude does serves a similar purpose to get you to think of, instead of all the things that could be or all the things that are wrong to think about all the things that you are thankful for and all the things that life has given you that people in your um, world have given you all the things that you have accomplished that you're capable of your health you know we all have it pretty good if we really look at things and yet we're all very unhappy a lot of the time because 
we make up this world and we let society and other people make up this measuring stick that we hold against ourselves all the time. So I, I love the concept of gratitude, even if I don't practice it on a daily basis. Yeah, it's a definite perspective shift. And it really does allow you to number one, get in touch with what narrative you're, you're living, what narrative is in your head, right? What story are you telling yourself? And I have found also recently, I've discovered uh, breathwork and breathing. And you mentioned the word grounding. And there have been times, mostly in the summertime, not so much in the winter, I'm not a snow person. Um, but although I grew up in New England, which is really weird. So I should be a snow person. <laughs> um, but going outside barefoot and putting your feet on the ground and actually getting in touch with nature or getting that sunlight and that uh, natural vitamin D it really does make a difference um, in your biological responses as well as your psycho-emotional responses as well. Gratitude is a practice that I started with years ago. I was in a very dark place. And the, the only thing I could be grateful for when I started was that I was on this side of the dirt. And that was a sentence I just repeated until I had something else to be grateful for. And that was just how I started my practice. Um, and really whatever works for you, listener, do that and do more of it. If it's effective and it serves you to bring meaning and purpose to your life and perspective. So Corbett, this has been such a just phenomenal conversation. And I'm wondering if there's like one or two things that you really want the audience to walk away from our conversation with, what would those be? Well, um, first that anything is possible. I, I love to get back to possibility whenever I'm feeling stuck and just imagine, you know, if I worked hard, if I, you know, why do I have to live like I'm living? Why do I assume that I have to live exactly like I'm living and that I have to stay on this path? Most of us have choices in life. Sometimes we have to do hard work to allow ourselves to make those choices, to get out of certain circumstances or situations. But possibility is a really important thing to me. And then also just to remember that a lot of what we believe, a lot of what we assume, a lot of what we hold to be true is based on the influences that are around us. And to change those, sometimes we have to change those influences, either like we talked about getting out and um, being with yourself. Sometimes it also means cutting out some of the influences that you have, spending less time with certain people, with, with certain family members, with certain friends, with certain coworkers, um, seeking out new friends, new relationships, people who are positive and motivated and who, again, give you energy as opposed to taking it away. So sometimes those choices and just reflecting on what is possible can at least help you to find the motivation to make a change. And making a change is always for me, fun and invigorating, even though it might be scary, uh, change a lot of times is the thing that I look forward to. Yeah. You know, it, what you're talking about is being intentional about what you allow to influence you and who you allow to influence you being intentional about, um, your life and the value that that communicates to yourself, which is so important because really you're walking with you throughout your entire life. You know, people may come and go, but you will always be with you. <laughs> that is a constant. I am just, you know, I feel like we could go and talk about this forever. It has been such an invigorating conversation for me. It's fascinating. The concepts that we talked about, and if we had hours, we could unpack them, but I'm just so grateful that you had the time to come and share with my audience. And if there's a listener who's really resonating with you and it's like, well, I need more of this guy. I got to listen to more. I've got to know more. How do people contact you? Where can they find you? 
Uh, my personal site is probably the best place for some essays and thoughts uh, on more things like we talked about at corbettbar.com, C-O-R-B-E-T-T-B-A-R-R.com. And I will put a link to that in the show notes. And I also encourage you listeners to sign up for the newsletter. I'm on it and uh, really value added content. A lot of emails I delete and unsubscribe and uh, Corbett's newsletter is one that I am still subscribed to. And I really look forward to reading because it's value added content to my day. So again, I'm just so grateful that you had the time in your schedule to come on the show. It's been wonderful to converse with you and to meet you and to know you. I'm so glad we're connected now. Thank you, Michelle. I really appreciate you having me on. And listeners, as I always say, keep walking, always, always keep walking, never stop walking, because if you continue to walk, you will reach your destiny, you will reach your destination. And on the journey, I encourage you to always, always choose gratitude. As you know, every single episode, I end with my encouragement for you to choose gratitude on your journey as you keep walking. But have you ever asked yourself, that's great, Michelle, but how do I do that? How do I implement gratitude? How do I choose gratitude? It's not easy living this life. And sometimes I don't feel very grateful. How do I incorporate gratitude into my daily life? Well, I've got you covered. Just for you, I have a Gateway to Gratitude mini course in the Successful Diligence School. There is a link in the show notes as well as a coupon code just for podcast listeners where you get 50% off. So head to the link in the show notes or SuccessfulDiligence.com and click the school tab on the website. It will take you to the school and you can see the Gateway to Gratitude course, which walks you through how to implement gratitude into your daily life. Trust me, gratitude and gratefulness when implemented effectively will change your life.